Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another exciting installment of the Live Free Austin radio show. We're bringing you the news, views, and the tools you can use to live a more free and prosperous life. Every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m., you can check out our website at livefreeaustinradio.com. We have a backlog of all the wonderful shows, podcasts that we've done with wonderful guests where you can get a lot of insights about the philosophy of liberty, how you can spread that philosophy, and tools you can use to live free according to your inherent sovereignty. So, of course, I'm John Bush, joined always by Jason Rink. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm great, John. It's great to be back once again, spitting out our philosophical ways on what? liberty. And that's right. We're, we're getting our stuff out on the airwaves, man, and we like it. We like to be able to talk about freedom and liberty and, freedom. and how to be consistent. And, and that's why we're going to get on here today and we're going to praise our intervention in Libya. <laughs> Because because it's all about the defense of freedom oh, yeah. and human rights Intervention and is humanity freedom. and spreading democracy across the globe. That's right. That's right. That's the reason why we have our military forces, of course, to protect the interests of uh, corporations. Well, and you know, it's interesting. This Libyan intervention is being led by none other than Nobel Peace Prize winner. Barack Obama. Barry Sortoro. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. I, I heard they're looking to s- some some talk of stripping him of his peace prize. I heard that too. That? Yeah, it's great. He just keeps on uh, defying us, and I hope that the left will finally come around. I think this is going to be that little thing that pushes a lot of the uh, liberals that were just still drinking the Barry Sortoro Kool-Aid, pushes them over the Ooh, edge. it's berry flavored. <laughs> That's good. And uh, yeah, it's funny because uh, I saw this article on Mother Jones where I just am like, what I are you, some kind of communist reading Mother Jones? I there, am. Rink? I'm a commie. And, uh, you know, you, you got to look at all sides. That's how we are well informed here on right. Live Free Austin. We don't just drink the Fox News Kool Aid, we don't just drink the CNN Kool Aid, we don't just drink the Mother Jones Kool Aid or the or Alex, Alex Jones, Jones Kool Aid. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah, but, but what they're doing is on Mother Jones, they're like, Obama crafts the anti-Bush doctrine. See, what you got to understand is Obama's wars are cool. Oh, yeah. Because Obama's cool. And they're constitutional. Yeah. Because he's a constitutional right. scholar. <laughs> and the young like him and the social media savvy people like Obama. So everything Obama does is cool. Yeah. And so he's the anti-Bush doctrine because the the reasons going into Libya are exactly the opposite of mm. Bush. Oh, yeah. It is definitely... One of those situations where it's totally justified. has nothing to do with oil, nothing to do with keeping uh, threats to our uh, regional hegemon away in the, in the Middle East. Nothing to do with that at all. And, of course, this, this – this, uh, got to mention real quick, this war is, of course, always being funded not only by printed money with the Federal Reserve but also with uh, Americans' income tax. And I just want to mention we're going to be joined by Joe Bannister for the rest of the show after this break. Joe Bannister is an ex-IRS agent who had the integrity to stand up for his constitutional oath and his commitment to God. He knew that the income tax was not only illegal but immoral, so he backed away. We're going to be joined by him, but I just wanted to throw that in because it yeah, he's ties a, together. Yeah, he's a true radical. I mean, he's been fighting the state for a long time. Yep. You know, originally he was a part of it. And uh, so we're happy to have him on. And, and that's true. Our income tax and, and the Federal Reserve and the printing of money and all of these different things work together in borrowing from mm. foreign nations. All of these things work together to fund wars. Yep. And over and over and over and over. But fortunately, you know, everybody's talking about this as the third war. But, you know, I look at it and I say we got Iraq, we got Afghanistan. But what about Pakistan? That's right. I mean, if there were unmanned drones, you know, 
flying over 100 missions in 2010, killing over 400 people in the United States. Would we think that that nation that was flying those drones over our country, would we think we were at war with them? It would seem as though we were. And I know that the unmanned drones only kill bad guys. Oh, yeah. It's uh, those bombs. They have these. I don't know what it is. If it's a genetic sensor that senses the bad guy gene and those bombs only blow up bad guys, even though it's been said that the drone uh, has like a two percent accuracy rate. That's like less than my wife with a blindfold oh, shooting a twenty-two. Okay? It's interesting you note that uh, genetic uh, indicator because Dick Cheney in the PNAC document, the Project for New American Century, Real- Rebuilding America's Senses, was written in September 2000. He actually called for the creation and development of race-specific bioweapons. Mm. Well, that's good, and that would make it much easier to get rid of these pesky Middle Easterners. Oh, yeah, they? how dare they worship Allah. Yeah. This is America. <laughs> so, <laughs> the whole world's America for that matter. You know, it. I don't even know why I can get out a laugh because this is really crazy. I mean, that we are just this, this warfare state. And I was at South by Southwest this past week. I caught one musical show. I went and saw Bright Eyes was playing at Auditorium Shores for free. Cool. And, you know, he's he's a cool dude because he came out there and he said, you know, we started our fourth war today oh great and nobody's talking about that and you know he was just going off he's got some anti-war tunes and and uh you know i said you know what that is true i mean this just happens and we still we were partying down in austin while another war was being waged across Mm -hmm. the sea so you know but the thing is 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 what is really going on here i mean have we not learned anything from our interventionism i mean no military mission ever seems to be as easy or a cakewalk as they are always promised to be, it seems as though we have mission creep that just starts to expand the scope of these interventions. And and I think the neocons and the, the left are in a strange position because, you know, it's Obama's war, so the Republicans don't really want to get behind it. But then some of the justifications sound very similar to other things that, that the left used to criticize Bush administration for I saw old Dennis Kucinich, which was you know I've always been a big fan of Dennis Kucinich, um, except whenever he got taken aboard Air Force One and strong armed by Barry Sortoro to support the Obamacare. He was holding out, but he actually came out. He's the one that uh, introduced the articles of impeachment for President George Bush. So for you conservatives out there listening, be aware that George Bush violated the Constitution, so you can't give him a pass. But he also uh, mentioned on a uh, mainstream, you know, it must have been like CNN, MSNBC interview that uh, this is an impeachable offense on behalf of Barack Obama. So it's good to see a Democrat throwing out the impeachment word on a member of his own party that to me that shows a lot of integrity and just being able to overcome this whole party paradigm. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how a lot of the Democrats uh, deal with this. And you said, have we learned about our interventionists? And I mean, you and I have learned. We we knew it all along, but I honestly think we haven't learned about our interventionists. And even if we have, I it's unfortunate to say, but I think the American public is just such in a stupid lull that there's, yeah. oh, there's nothing we do about it. Let's just go about our day. Ooh, That's right. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, and, and even for the people on the left, the anti-war left, I mean, I definitely like to see more vocal opposition to what's going on. I mean, let's just check out Obama's record here. I mean, he's stayed in Iraq. He's expanded Afghanistan. He's uh, continued the Patriot Act, Guantanamo Bay. Pakistan. Yemen, too. There was a couple unmanned aerial drone excursions into Yemen. Yeah, well, you know, whoever has heard of Yemen? <laughs> it's I mean, Yemen. nobody that cares about justified. Yemen. 
But yeah, and and this quote's been floating around, but in 2007, Barack Obama said, the president does not have the power under the Constitution to unilaterally authorize a military attack in a situation that does not involve stopping an actual or imminent threat to the nation. Mm. What what can we do, Rink? Like, there, I, I feel powerful. You know, I'm, I'm with Texans for Accountable Government. We're, we're out there spreading the message of liberty with the Foundation for a Free Society, and it's empowering to me to know that we're making a difference for the cause of freedom in this country. But when it comes to these foreign wars, I really feel powerless about what, what I could do. I mean, what can we do to end this intervention? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to stop being silent. I mean, I believe actually on April 15th here in Austin, and we'll try to get the details up on the show, there's going to be uh, an anti-war pro-peace uh, rally uh, down uh, near uh, the University of Texas uh, campus. And again, Great. we'll try to get those links up. Yeah. I mean, we got to we gotta unite. Fiscal conservatives should be concerned about these things. Mm-hmm. People who say we're living and spending beyond our means. I mean, you know, every Tomahawk missile costs a million bucks. Really? Yeah. Wow. So we spent 120 million, I think, because we launched 120 million Tomahawk missiles, right? And so these things are not cheap. And fiscal conservatives need to be concerned about the cost of empire. And they need to see that they have a natural friend in the anti-war left when it comes to these issues. The anti-war left may not be about the fiscal issues, sure. but we've got to get these single-issue coalitions. So the yeah. left and the right need to start talking about these issues of how we can scale back government and how we can, you know, sort of achieve similar but different goals even. Plus for these conservatives, I mean, there's a resurgence uh, embodied in the Tea Party movement of a uh, reappreciation of the Constitution. And it's plain as day that all four excursions that we're involved in are completely unconstitutional. There hasn't been a declaration of war at all. So that's another reason why the conservatives should be absolutely opposed to this, because you can't just be for some constitution and against others when it suits your fancy guys. You've got to be consistent. I know there's cognitive dissonance in your head when it comes to that, but these are unconstitutional wars. And if you stand for these, the Constitution, then you can't stand for these wars. That's right. And, you know, it's funny because on uh, Fox News, you know, the only person I know who's who's out there talking about that is Judge Napolitano. Oh, yeah, he's great. I mean, he's on, I guess he's on Fox Business, technically, but, mm. you know, he's out there saying these wars are unconstitutional. He's out there, and he's a conservative, uh, I mean, he's a conservative-leaning individual. you got to give him credit, but he's honest and intellectually honest about the Constitution. And so just because your favorite talk show host out there uh, is not saying these things, is not condemning these <laughs> interventions based on constitutional reasons, doesn't mean they don't exist. you you got to do what Glenn Beck says, which is to... Study and search these things out for yourself. Oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, I encourage you to do that with what we're putting out here. So we're coming up on a break. We want you to stick around, though, because Joe Bannister is going to be on here talking about the federal income tax, the IRS. And, you know, tax time is right around the corner. And so he's going to maybe give us some advice or, uh, you know, some information anyway, so that we can uh, proceed with caution, so to speak, when it comes to filing our taxes or not filing our taxes. We'll see what Joe Bannister has to say. Promises to be a very interesting segment of the Live Free Austin radio show. This is Jason Rink and John Bush, and stick around. Are you tired of big government treading on your liberty? Well, so are we. 
We're Brave New Books, the fiercest independent bookstore in Austin. Located a block south of UT Austin, Brave New Books not only carries the information you need to be ahead of the curve, but we also have water filters, storable food, and superfoods that help you put your health back into your own hands. Contact us at 480-2503 at bravenewbookstore.com or stop by at 1904 Guadalupe Street. Welcome back to the Live Free Austin radio show. LiveFreeAustinRadio.com is the website. You can check us out every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, I just got back from a wonderful trip to New Hampshire, Manchester, New Hampshire, and I was uh, part of the Nullify Now tour, NullifyNow.com, which is put on by the Tenth Amendment Center. You can check out TenthAmendmentCenter.com. Uh, promoting state sovereignty and individual liberty. The Foundation for a Free Society, which is one of the sponsors of this program, actually co-sponsors that event and makes a lot of it possible. They've been traveling all across across the country. The New Hampshire event was absolutely wonderful. It was a great mix between conservatives, constitutionalists, patriots, and mixed in a little anarchists and free staters there. So New Hampshire's kind of like they're they're competing with Texas for like freest state in the union status. I mean, sure. Texas Texas always always likes to think itself as like the big oh, cowboy boy. state. Yeah. But New Hampshire's really uh pretty pretty hardcore. Yeah, they're great. The live for your die state. Their constitution actually has the the Bill of Rights has a right of revolution and it's it's really strong. But uh that was a Nullify Now event. We just want to let the listenership know that Nullify Now is going to be in Austin at April sixteenth. And this is something that Jason and I are going to be playing a major part of, the Foundation for a Free Society as well. So we definitely want to invite you out. It's going to be at the AT&T Executive Conference Center, which is right in the heart of UT campus. The event's going to be from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. April 16th. You'll be able to hear from New York Times bestselling author Thomas Woods, along with Jason Rink and myself. Yeah, we got uh, Stuart Rhodes will be there. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Gutzman, who's also an author and constitutional scholar. And Texas's own Deborah Medina is going to be there. Ooh. I mean... This is going to be a barn burner, people. That's what we call it in Ohio. And uh, so it's going to be a great event. Limited seating. We've only got about 300 spots, and we're already selling a lot of tickets to this. You can get tickets starting at as little as 10 bucks. Yep. Uh, so I encourage you to go to nullifynow.com. Definitely. Go to the Austin section of that website. It's very easy to find. Yep. You can see what's going on, what the details are, and we'll have more details to come on the event and uh, any possible after-party shindigs that that's might right. be happening. So uh, that's, again, uh, Nullify Now Austin, nullifynow.com, and uh, be sure to join us out there. Yep, and right now we're joined by Joe Bannister, uh, a very integral man, and he's a major inspiration to me. I had the opportunity to uh, meet him in person at the Freedom Law School conference several weeks ago in California, and I got to say, uh, he was a very inspirational individual just because he uh, had the, you know, the gall to stand up for what was right, what he saw as right in his heart and in his mind and his oath to the Constitution and what was in line with his Christian faith as well. So I'm very uh, pleased to have Joe Bannister on the program today. He's a IR, he's an ex-IRS agent, started with the uh, IRS in 93 and left in 99 after he found out some pretty startling information that we're going to be bringing you here today. So, Joe, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, John. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate you coming on. I guess we could just start by maybe uh, you describing why uh, you wanted to get involved with the IRS. Well, um, I graduated from uh, 
college way back in 1986, and I spent a few years in the private sector, uh, having graduated with an accounting degree, uh, you know, got into the accounting profession. And uh, after a few years of that, I realized I kind of looked at what I was doing and what my bosses were doing above me, and I thought, there's no way that I can stand to do this accounting work for another 30 or 40 years. Mm Um, so I decided to get into something that might be a little more exciting. Um, and I realized that the federal agencies, uh, especially the FBI and the IRS, are looking for people with an accounting background. So I decided to pursue a, a criminal investigator um, position. And I chose, uh, I applied to both the FBI and the IRS criminal investigation division. And due to a hiring freeze at the FBI, uh, they couldn't hire me. I ended up qualifying, uh, going through all the FBI steps and was just waiting for an appointment letter to Quantico, Virginia to get trained. And then there was a hiring freeze uh, due to budget budget battles, which same kind of thing that are going on right now. Um, meanwhile, the IRS criminal investigation called me and asked me if I'd be interested in a position with them. And, of course, the FBI, uh, you know, they have a lot, at least a lot better reputation than the IRS. I mean, nowadays, <laughs> they're not enjoying that great of a reputation either. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in comparison to the IRS, that's really what I had my heart set on, that they couldn't hire me, and meanwhile, the IRS had an open position. So in November of 1993, uh, I was hired by the IRS Criminal Investigation Division. And for those that don't know, you know, the IRS has about 3,000 special agents uh, who do criminal investigations, much like an FBI agent. In fact, their designation in the federal government is exactly the same. It's called a GS-1811. So uh, the FBI has GS-1811s, the Secret Service has GS-1811s, and the IRS does. So, you know, it's a gun-carrying, badge-wearing position. Uh, You train as a law enforcement officer, and then you investigate um, violations of the federal income tax and money laundering laws. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, a, a position for an accountant looking for a little excitement, you get to strap on a gun. I mean, that's go. that's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. We actually had a T-shirt in our class, our training class, that said, I'm your worst nightmare, an accountant with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, excelled at the IRS. Uh, you're a very bright man. Uh, you quickly moved up and you started winning awards. People were recognizing you for all your activity. You were your prototypical all-star government bureaucrat, accountant with a gun, and then out of nowhere, you started to hear a little bit about the tax honesty movement. When did you first hear about the idea uh, that what you were sold may not absolutely be the truth? Uh, That would be December of 1996, approximately three years into my uh, relatively short career with the IRS, uh, listening to a talk radio show and um, constitutionally-minded host. Uh, you know, not a partisan kind of guy, just talking about what was right or wrong rather than who was right or wrong. And he had a guest named D.V. Kitt. Um, uh, D.V. was talking about the income tax, uh, the Federal Reserve. Um, and, you know, I always had thought that this Jeff Metcalf, the host, was quite an honorable guy and that he would always be telling the truth and have guests who would tell the truth. And then uh, he has this guest, D.V. Kidd, saying that the income tax is a scam and that it's largely a voluntary system because there's an absence of a mandate for the average American to actually file a tax return or, or pay the federal income tax. 
And so I remember I was actually working that day and driving around in my government car, listening to the car radio, and you know, hearing this lady come on the show and say these uh, terrible things about the income tax. And I thought, well, that couldn't possibly be true. But if it is true, you know, why, why, why did I have such a good impression of Jeff Metcalf being, um, you know, an honorable guy and telling the truth? So I realized I had to dig deeper and try to figure out who was telling me the truth. Was it the IRS? Was it uh, San Jose State University, uh, the CPA exam preparation classes? They were all saying that the income tax was legitimately enforced and uh, administered. And yet this talk show host, who I had placed a lot of trust in, and his guest uh, were saying something uh, very different. And yeah. so I spent about two years of uh, off-duty, you know, part-time research on evenings and weekends over a two-year period while still working as an IRS special agent during the day uh, to try to determine you know, whether or not there was any merit to this claim that uh, most Americans weren't actually required to pay the federal income tax. Mm-hmm. Well, and- that's that's really uh, pretty amazing. And, and, you know, I imagine part of your thinking was like, hey, here's this radio host and he could be leading people dangerously astray with this guest talking about, you know, we don't have to file our taxes or it's not a legal mandate or what have you. So I, I imagine you were a little bit torn in, in wanting to make sure that that the information was accurate on, on that stance and at the same time just to make sure that you were uh, under the right impression about things. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I just felt, uh, you know, I guess another agent might have just listened to it and dismissed it and moved on, but... You know, I had, I believe I had an obligation, uh, both from a personal level and a professional level, to determine who's who's telling the truth here, because right. it really did uh, tug at my my heartstrings and my brainstrings as to you know what's going on here. Uh, but most certainly, having spent my entire life um, involved with the federal income tax, either as a CPA or then as a an enforcer. Uh, there, there had to be a truth, and I needed to find it. And there were, you know, two divergent opinions there, and I felt an obligation to uh, look deeper. That's great. Yeah, and we really appreciate that. It seems like there's so many uh, individuals who earn a living from the government that are just unwilling to question such things because they don't want to shake up their status quo and their comfort and their steady paycheck. And it's also a great lesson uh, for people, you know, not only a a great indicator of how important talk radio is and the programming that we're bringing you and a lot of the other stuff out there, but you always have to trust but verify. And that goes not only for what you hear on talk radio, but also what you hear at your workplace. So we're coming up on a break. We're speaking with Joe Bannister. He's an ex IRS agent. He's got the website freedomabovefortune.com, freedomabovefortune.com. He's a very integral man. Uh, He left the IRS because he found out that they were selling him a bill of goods. And on the other side of this break, we're going to go over a few areas. I recall a, uh, well, I don't remember from the time, but I've seen a uh, We the People Foundation ad three of them actually, maybe four of them, that aired in a a major publication across the country uh, during the early 2000s, and they brought up three major points specifically concerning the income tax. And on the other side of the break, we want to dig deeper into those and give the listeners some insights about the truth about what's really going on with this pesky income tax. And again, April 15th is coming up. We want everybody to make informed decisions on that. Do research for yourself. Educate yourself. We're speaking with Joe Bannister, Jason Rink, John Bush, livefreeaustinradio.com is the website. Stick around for more exciting radio.
Attention Big Talker listeners. Want to get the real information on the agenda behind the Obama administration's policies? Brave New Books, Austin's own fiercely independent bookstore, has the resources you need to understand the Federal Reserve, international banking, and the forces behind President Obama. Brave New Books is located a block south of UT at 1904 Guadalupe Street. Contact us at 480-2503 or at bravenewbookstore.com. Welcome back. Live Free Austin, livefreeaustinradio.com. Jason Rinkin, John Bush, as always on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. We've got Joe Bannister here. He's a former IRS agent. And we're going to talk about some very controversial issues here in this segment, uh, specifically regarding the federal income tax and what it, really what our liability is, whether or not the federal income tax is legitimate. I mean, there's a lot of, of different people out there who've got different opinions on some of these issues. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you've heard some of these arguments uh, from what's called the tax honesty movement, which says, you know, we don't have to file or, you know, the the uh, 16th Amendment wasn't wasn't ratified properly or, you know, all of these different maybe what we might perceive as loopholes or, or a way to get around paying our taxes. But what's really the true story? Well, we've got Joe Bannister. He spent six years as a federal IRS agent with a gun, and he's on to talk to us about what's happened in his life and, mm-hmm. and just give us his insights on these issues. Yeah, and Joe, uh, after he heard that DV Kid interview we were just speaking of, he spent some significant time really doing his due diligence to get to the bottom of this. And again, uh, very encouraged by this man. He's very integral and appreciate that he would actually spend the time to really find out the truth. And it should be an inspiration for the listeners out there to dig deep and to find out the truth for yourself. So again, don't trust anything that comes out of Joe's mouth or our mouths on this program. We want you to know that the information that we cover is out there and you could verify it for yourself. So we're going to do a little series of questions of some of the stuff that was uncovered by Joe and that's been uncovered by people uh, leading the path before him. And and then I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and back this up and verify it for yourself. And then we're going to talk about uh, maybe some of the decisions that actually Joe made in leaving the IRS. I know it wasn't an uh, easy decision to make. And I, again, I think it just illustrates the integrity of, of you, Joe. And we really appreciate that. And it's a great story about how you actually decided to to go ahead there and defy the odds of a government agent actually leaving uh, his wonderful paycheck and his, his sturdy position there with the IRS. So we, again, we really appreciate that. But I guess the first question is the income tax comes around from the 16th Amendment, which uh, was passed in – it's actually you know an amendment to the Constitution. It had to go through two-thirds of the houses, and it was passed in 1913 along with the Federal Reserve Act and also the 17th Amendment that allowed for popular elections of senators, U.S. senators, so there's no more accountability to the states. But the first question is, Joe, was the 16th Amendment ever properly ratified? Uh, no, it was not, and that's not um... – you know, research that I did myself as opposed to uh, went out and validated uh, the existing research. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a gentleman named Bill Benson, and he co-wrote a book with a gentleman named Red Beckman called The Law That Never Was. And uh, those books are a culmination of a, a research project whereby Bill traveled to each and every one of the 48 contiguous United States because those were the states that were in existence at the time of the uh, proposal of the 16th Amendment. And so Bill either drove or took a small plane. Uh, he was flown by a, by a pilot uh, to all 48 of these states, to their archives in their capitals. And he wanted to see from the state side what whether or not the uh, amendment was actually ratified. He had all the federal information, 
from the federal archives, but he wanted to see what the states had to say. And he found a, a tremendous amount of uh, variance between what the feds claim was true and what the state records showed. And, uh, you know, we probably don't have time in this very short uh, show, uh, so I would encourage people to maybe, you know, do a search engine search for the law that never was uh, or Bill Benson, B-E-N-S-O-N. But the bottom line is that Bill proved chapter and verse by the actual original documents uh, obtained from all these states that numerous, numerous states did not ratify the 16th Amendment mm -hmm. and actually didn't ratify the 17th Amendment either, as you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. uh, because Bill, while he was looking for the 16th Amendment documentation, encountered the 17th Amendment as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is true uh, the issue has been litigated um, now and then, and um, there's also an attorney named Jeffrey Dickstein. Uh, he uh, spearheaded a lot of this litigation, at least more recently, over the last five years. And what, what people will see is that the courts are unwilling to mm -hmm. grapple with the issue, and they basically just, you know, poo-poo it and ignore the facts and the evidence. And just because of this uh, juggernaut that we've been on for, you know, 80 or 90 years, uh, they don't care. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, hey, it's a de facto law now because it's been, it's been there for so long and, and all of that. And it really, you know, Joe, I, I think about it and I say, you know what, uh, it is unconstitutional, wasn't ratified properly. And that should make us, you know, Americans, you know, livid. But the fact is, is that we have a federal government who shows complete disdain for the Constitution on so many issues that we really can't even expect. I mean, we obviously can't expect the federal government to, uh, you know, overturn its own power grabs, mm -hmm. uh, as in this case. So, you know, we can say, okay, it's unconstitutional. That may be true, but it sounds like there's actual, actually other aspects of, of this whole issue uh, regarding the federal income tax that go beyond just its unconstitutionality. John, you have a couple other uh, yes. issues on that? So I guess the foundation is, I mean, first of all, the thing was never properly ratified in the first place, so the whole thing is moot and null and void according to the Constitution's Supremacy Clause. But moving on from there, uh, the next question would be, Joe, according to your research and according to your uh, extensive, exhaustive examination of the IRS code, did you actually find anything that requires the average American to file income taxes? I didn't, and I mean, you, you make a good point that the, you know, I don't so much look at the 16th Amendment's lack of ratification as the, you know, sole and uh, necessary reason that people should, you know, not cooperate with the IRS, but I do look at it as indicative that it was it was basically a bastard child from the moment <laughs> it was conceived. Right. Um, and so it's just, it's been one lie after another ever since. Uh, but in terms of the, you know, the average, the requirement for the average American, uh, the IRS admits in its own literature there was, uh, there's something called the Paperwork Reduction Act, and um, it actually the the government, the federal law, required the IRS to to explain who was required to file tax returns, and so the IRS, you know, in this uh, legal uh, requirement to fulfill this legal requirement for the OMB Control Numbers and Paperwork Reduction Act had to state that anyone that is liable for the tax has to file a tax return. Pretty simple. Well, you know, I just want to say, I think the great bombshell here that you've dropped is that there's actually something called the Paperwork Reduction Act 
in, in, in federal government. It doesn't seem like there's any reduction of paperwork going on there. But anyway, that may be a separate rabbit trail. <laughs> so you're saying that this led to uh, them having to sort of explicitly state this is who is liable to file. Yeah, and if you look, anyone can go to the 1040 instruction booklet, and this paperwork, mm-hmm. a Privacy Act and Paperwork Reduction Act notice is required to be put in every booklet. So you can go to any booklet from 1992 mm-hmm. to 2010, and you'll see that that language that I'm uh, describing, and it says that you know any person liable for the tax is then required to file a tax return. Mm-hmm. And we're about so to get – oh, sorry, go ahead. This is the IRS's own words explaining what the law requires. Mm-hmm. So that put it in a nutshell, uh, if you're liable for the tax, then you're required to file a tax return. So the next question would be, uh, how am I liable? Right. Right. It doesn't just say every American with a pulse mm-hmm. must file uh, an income tax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does not say that, although that's pretty much the way the IRS administers and enforces it. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could give us a little education about the – I know there's three requirements for a tax, right? Uh, the liability, you got to state the actual tax, what you're taxing, and then show who's re- required to who, – who's going to pay the tax? Yeah, the amount that's owed. Um, there has to be an assessment, uh, and then there has to be a, some kind of a document, uh, you know, generally referred to as a tax return, mm-hmm. that either the person that's liable for the tax file, you know, prepares and files, or that the government prepares and files for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for example um, – you know, people. Some people have uh, whiskey in their in their liquor cabinet. Does that mean that they have to file a, a return of some sort uh, because they have whiskey in their cabinet? No, but there was a tax paid on that whiskey. Mm-hmm. Well, did the person who has it in their cabinet pay the tax, or did the person who distilled it in the first place? Mm-hmm. Right. The person who distilled it in the first place, because that distiller is made liable for that tax, and you can actually see it very very clearly. Uh, in the Internal Revenue Code, where that tax is laid out. Mm-hmm. But the person that's consuming the distilled uh, spirit is not required to pay the tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it all comes down to liability for all federal taxes, uh, and the income tax is no exception. Mm-hmm. So, and I know, again, we're short on time. We don't have a lot of, of, we can't get into everything. We're actually running into another break, but we do have another segment. But the question then is, is, is the natural response that an individual like myself would have is, well, I'm obviously liable because I make wages, I get paid money for my work, and what I earn from, you know, doing work is taxable. Isn't that isn't that correct? I mean, that's what I've been told my whole life. <laughs> well, uh one of the misconceptions is that income uh the word income is has a legal and constitutional definition. Now, the, you know, the common everyday usage of the word income is kind of what you described. Hey, I go to work, I make money, that must be income, and of course the IRS would, would claim that's the case. But the U.S. Supreme Court, time and time again, has said that income is a accession to wealth or a gain. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, when you go to work and trade one hour of your work for you know twenty bucks or fifty bucks or you know hundred bucks or whatever it is, you're simply trading one form of property, which is your labor. For another form of property, which is green Federal Reserve notes mm-hmm. or a piece of silver or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and again, that's not Joe Bannister's opinion. You can read dozens of Supreme Court cases uh, where it says exactly that. So, if you think about how many Americans out there, and that's why I 
routinely refer to the average American. Mm-hmm. The average American doesn't have investments like Warren Buffett. Right. Uh, they, they go out and to survive, they work at a job, and, and what they're being paid is not income. Uh, so says the Supreme Court. Hey, hey Joe, we're, we're coming up on this break. Let's stick with this idea of, okay, the American, the average American is not liable for the income tax. We want to explore that more. This is a very controversial idea. We want to hear from Joe Bannister, former IRS agent, about this. This is Jason Rink and John Bush. This is Live Free Austin. We'll be right back. Are you tired of big government treading on your liberty? Well, so are we. We're Brave New Books, the fiercest independent bookstore in Austin. Located a block south of UT Austin, Brave New Books not only carries the information you need to be ahead of the curve, but we also have water filters, storable food, and superfoods that help you put your health back into your own hands. Contact us at 480-2503 at bravenewbookstore.com or stop by at 1904 Guadalupe Street. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Live Free Austin radio show. LiveFreeAustinRadio.com is the website. Again, a quick reminder, April 16th, Nullify Now comes to Austin. Check out NullifyNow.com for that info. I also want to thank another one of our sponsors, the Brave New Bookstore. Go to BraveNewBookstore.com if you want to find the latest and greatest suppressed books, DVDs, documentaries, anything you can get your heart on. There's also some income tax information that you'd be able to find there. So check out Brave New Bookstore. Dot com. But again, we're chatting with Joe Bannister. I want to give a quick disclaimer that, uh, you know, a lot of times Americans engage in what I consider to be an ought is fallacy in that we say, well, this is the way things ought to be according to the law, according to the Constitution, according to the IRS's own code. But unfortunately for we the people, that's not the way things are. The government doesn't operate on the rule of law. They operate on the rule of force. So while this is all truth and while the average American isn't liable to pay income taxes, therefore he's not required to file, uh, there's been countless people who have gone up, stood up and done this. And unfortunately, they've gotten smacked down by the corrupt arm of government. That's why me personally, John Bush, not the show, not any of our sponsors, but me personally, John Bush, I encourage people to look into this information for their for themselves and to gather with their fellow Americans and to stand together because there's strength in numbers, there's strength in truth, and there's strength in unity. And if enough of us stand up together and expose this fraud for what it is, then they're not going to be able to use their force to take us down because our numbers are too big for them to legitimately do it. I think Joe said there's only about 3,000 IRS agents actually out there. So I just want to throw that out there, folks. Use caution. Exercise caution. Everything that we've mentioned to you today is absolute truth. There is no liability for the average American. There is no requirement. But that's not to say that you can just go out there and be like, oh, well, here you go. I heard it on the Live Free Austin radio show. Do, 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 do. You always got to exercise caution and risk. And that's why it's so important uh, to educate people about what's really going on. Because if we stand up, you know, just the two of us, me and Rink, stand up and say, that's we're right. not going to do this anymore. We're going to get our heads chopped off. But if 
10,000 of us stand up at the same time and say, look, we're tired of these aggressive wars. We're tired of funding our own oppression. We're done with this. We know we're not legally required to pay. It's going to definitely lighten the load. So I just want people to consider that uh, in, in hearing all of this information. So we were talking about the liability to file. And, Joe, you were telling us that uh, – what was was it the Pollock case? Is that the Supreme Court case you're referring to? I know there's a couple different ones that define income, and it's the different definition of what the common conception is. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. If you go to um, truthattack.org, uh, that's um, attorney Tom Cryer, who uh, himself has had battles with the IRS. Uh, he does a pretty good of, a job of laying out um, you know, the, these various cases and, and a little more detail about what I'm talking about. And if you don't mind, I'd like to just chime in and, and totally agree with you. Uh, you know, Too many people just kind of jump off the diving board saying, well, yeah, I heard this on the radio. And they've nowhere near spent the amount of time that it really takes to uh, get familiar with all of these issues and then and then see how that might apply to their own personal lives. And so I've never, you know, in 11 years, I don't go around telling people that, hey, you know, why are you still filing and paying? Uh, it's not it's not like that. Um, it's about telling people the truth. I learned the truth. It changed my life. Uh, that's why I don't work for the IRS anymore. Mm-hmm. I believe they are stealing from people, they're deceiving people, and I don't believe that the American Constitution, and nor the law, I mean, if you go read the law, uh, sanctions this kind of uh, behavior, this mm-hmm. kind of conduct, but the IRS engages in it anyway. Mm-hmm. So the only way we're going to be able to stop it is, like you say, you know, not, not one person or ten people or, you know, 10,000, 10, but I mean hundreds of thousands of people getting educated and saying that we're not going to put up with our government deceiving us and, and mm-hmm. stealing from us. Now, Joe, I've got to think that the IRS, the federal government, wants to shut you up because, you know, the IRS is one of the most feared organizations in the federal government. Everybody fears an audit. Everybody knows that the IRS has so much power to seize assets, your income, all of that, again, through force. So I've got to think that they don't like a guy like you running around, running your mouth. I mean, has this caused some, some difficulties in your life? Uh, yes, it has. Uh, they've uh, come after me with various kinds of civil uh, lawsuits and litigation and a criminal uh, prosecution that I was acquitted of. Nice. Uh, so I could talk about either one or whatever you want to go through first. Well, you know, and I just think, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, freedom costs something and liberty mm-hmm. costs something. It costs personal risk and it, it cost being committed 100% to what you're doing. I mean, you're at, you're at the point of no return. I mean, you crossed that point a long time ago. Uh, well, very, very perceptive. And I did. Basically, I had to think about, you know, on the day that I resigned from the IRS back in 99, you know, am I committed to taking this through to the end, even if it means, you know, prison or losing all my property? And, uh, you know, ultimately, I had to place my trust in God. Uh, you know, that's what Jesus says to do, to trust in him and to not be afraid. Mm-hmm. And so as, as difficult as that's been, I've tried to follow that prescription. And I, you know, I'm happy to report that that is the best course of action to take, especially nice. when you're going through uh, uh, battling the you know, evil agency, the IRS. Yep, yep. And uh, maybe you could tell us a little about the story. I mean, every time I hear Joe Bannister, I just think of integrity, and that was totally solidified when I got to meet you in person. So you did all your research. You compiled a report 
And uh, tell us about you uh, approaching your IRS bosses and informing them of this report. And you said, you know, can you guys respond to this? I'm going to be forced to resign if you can't, so on and so forth. And maybe tell us some of the things that you went through that you that you felt in your heart. Did you feel fear? Did you just feel so empowered and, and strong and, and strength in, in your resolve and your commitment? And, of course, you took a constitutional oath. And, again, you're a very strong Christian. So maybe tell us some of the things that led you to make that step and, and what it was like right before you resigned. Well, during this two-year period when I was doing the validation, uh, you know, investigation and research, uh, you know, as I was part-time, and as time went on, as the months went on, you know, six months became nine months and then 13 months in this 24-month period, and of course, all of the information that I was gathering and, and validating and finding out was true, of course, as that accumulated, then of course, my my trust and... Uh, um, like of the IRS and the job I was doing decreased. And so by the time the two-year period was over of, of doing this research, I I was just really, I had a really terrible pit in my stomach. You know, like, what what have I gotten myself involved with here? Yeah. And then now that I've learned all this information, uh, what am I going to do about it? And so I just had to kind of retrench and, you know, get back to basics and think, okay, well, you know, my parents didn't raise me to, to steal from people or to help someone else steal from people. Mm-hmm. Um, the ethics of my profession, the certified public accountant profession, certainly dictate that I speak up. Uh, the Treasury rules of conduct, which I was governed by as an IRS agent, uh, would certainly apply. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, my oath to support and defend the Constitution that I took to God uh, would you know, certainly, if none of the other things motivated me, that sure, certainly should. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, those were the reasons that I thought I've got to move forward with this. And I also tried to be humble. I always have tried to be humble about it and think I could have made a mistake, you know, in my research and what I've found. But that's why I presented my investigative uh, results to my bosses at the IRS, figuring that, well, they took the same oath that I did. They've done the same job that I do, and for even a longer period of time, certainly as, as you know, reluctant as they might be, they've got to grapple with this. So I'm going to present it to them uh, behind closed doors, you know, not to be secretive, but just to not. There was no publicity. It was just, hey, boss, uh, you know, Mr. Varville, Mr. Garini, what's the deal here? I've gone to bat uh, trying to figure out what this is all about. I've applied all of my best, um, you know, professional horsepower to this. And this is what I've concluded. And so it's odd. I don't. I didn't expect to conclude this. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. And I said, if you can't help me, I'm going to be forced to resign because I cannot serve two masters. Mm-hmm. And so that little last little thing that I told them really ended up being my uh, a career burner because uh, they received my information and my request to evaluate my investigative materials. And their answer was that we're not going to be responding to any of your concerns or questions, and we're going to provide you – we'd be happy to provide you with the paperwork necessary to tender your resignation. Wow. And they just refused to answer. They put me on administrative leave immediately, uh, took my firearm, and sent me home for a week to think about it. Hmm. And uh, at the end of that week, I believe that the best course of action for me was to resign so that they couldn't ruin my reputation – uh, which I had, you know, garnered a very uh, good reputation there as a hard worker. And I also was concerned that um, I wouldn't be able to speak quite as freely being an IRS agent as I could uh, returning back to being a uh, American citizen. 
Mm-hmm. Wow, Joe. I mean, that's a really great story. And again, I just want to thank you for having the integrity of the wherewithal and the commitment uh, to the Constitution and the commitment to God to be able to do that. Because, I mean, if we had more IRS agents, more police officers, more military uh, personnel uh, that had the integrity that you do, I think this country would be a much better place. So we're coming up on the end of the program. And I just want to thank you again for coming on and thank you for all that you've done. You really are paving the way. And thank you for educating us and imparting uh, some of the wisdom there. But again, remember, folks, you got to do the research for yourselves. You got to dig into this stuff. It's all out there in the open. Check out truthattack.org. You can Google Irwin Schiff. Irwin Schiff wrote a great book called The Federal Mafia. It's there as a PDF online. Check out Bill Benson and The Law That Never Was. And if you want to check out some of the information and the work that Joe Bannister's been doing, check out freedomabovefortune.com. Joe, you also do a radio show. You want to plug that real quick? Uh, yeah, LWRN.net, which stands uh, Liberty Works Radio Network acronym, uh, Saturday mornings from 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific. And uh, agentfortruth.com also has some biographical information about me. Thank you so much, Joe. Joe, thank you so much. You're an inspiration to me, and uh, we just want to invite you to join us again. This is Live Free Austin, livefreeaustinradio.com. Join us next week from 2 to 3 p.m. And this is Jason Rink and John Bush asking you to live Live free, free, Austin. Austin.